I'm Effie Parks. Welcome to Once Upon a Jane, the podcast. This is a place I created for us to connect and share the stories of our not-so-typical lives. Raising kids who are born with rare genetic syndromes and other types of disabilities can feel pretty isolating. What I know for sure is that when we can hear the triumphs and challenges from others who get it, we can find a lot more laughter, a lot more hope, and feel a lot less alone. I believe there are some magical healing powers that can happen for all of us through sharing our stories, and I'll take all the help I can get. Once Upon a Gene is proud to be part of Bloodstream Media. Living in a family affected by rare and chronic illness can be isolating, and sometimes the best medicine is connecting to the voices of people who share your experience. This is why Bloodstream Media produces podcasts, blogs, and other forms of content for patients, families, and clinicians impacted by rare and chronic diseases. Visit bloodstreammedia.com to learn more. Hello, my rare friends. Thanks for listening to the show. I'm so grateful that you're here. I would love if you would download Clubhouse and meet Bo Bigelow and I over there on Mondays at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We host a room called Rare and Relatable, and we have a different theme each week. You can talk with us or just listen in. So message me if you want a direct link. And we also have a link to like a seven day a week text chat on Discord. And if you want a link for that, just let me know. I'd love to interact with all of you a little more instead of being alone over here behind the mic. Some of you might remember that Rare on the Road event from Global Jeans a few months ago. Man, I met so many beautiful people from that event. And my guest today emailed me after the talk that I did and told me how much she related to my story. And I'm very much looking forward to introducing her to you today. Her daughter, Yara, was diagnosed with Jordan syndrome five years ago. And today we're talking about how being Yara's mom has been such an enabling journey with lots of love, joy, fear, and hope. She's now the project manager for Jordan's Guardian Angels, and they just launched a new rare disease podcast. So head over to their website with the links in the show notes and check it all out. Please enjoy my conversation with Carol Bacos. Hi, Carol. How are you today? Welcome to the show. Thank you, Effie. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. You are one of so many people who messaged me after the Global Genes Rare on the Road event. And I am just thrilled that so many people tuned in for that because it was such a cool, small little event that happened that just was really powerful. It, it really was. And, you know, you got me hooked. I checked you out after the event and I'm like, oh, wow, this is awesome. I need to connect with her. And here we are. So thank you for creating this forum for so many of us parents. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. I get to meet parents like you all day and you inspire me and you, I just, I learn so much all the time. So it takes a giant village. Anyways, Carol, let's kind of just get a little background. I'd love to know about you and your family and your daughter. Sure. So our family started on this rare disease journey six years ago now. My daughter was two and she was diagnosed with a rare disease it's a misspelling in the gene PPP2R5D, now known as Jordan syndrome. Uh, at the time, there was publication of six children in the world uh, with a disease. So we're kind of given the diagnosis and not a lot of information and, you know, and sent off on our way. So our journey was kind of isolation and fear of the unknown and trying to figure it out. She was our first baby too. So it was our 
kind of entry to parenthood started then. And so I went online, like many uh, of other parents uh, on this journey, and found a Facebook group that was created just a couple weeks before that by another mom who's now one of my closest friends. And her daughter was diagnosed with the same diagnosis and we connected and there was four of us in the group at the time. And, you know, I became a, an admin in the group. And since then, we've been kind of welcoming families. Uh, we're almost at 200 families globally with a diagnosis. And I'm fortunate to be one of the first people they get to talk to after getting their diagnosis and their doctor telling them, well, we don't know much about it and good luck, right? But the difference for them is they get to kind of connect with an existing group and family. And uh, I get to share with them our journey, which has been mostly a journey of hope. I get to share the, uh, for, with them how wonderful our daughter Yara is doing and how she's doing all the great things that they told us she wouldn't be doing. And I get to share with them about Jordan's Garden Angels, which is the foundation leading the research into Jordan's syndrome. And I'm fortunate to be playing a role there as well as a project director and working with the research team and the families on finding answers and learning more about what is this syndrome? What does it mean long-term? And how do we make it easier for our children today? And maybe even find a treatment that would make it easier for our current generation, but future generations to come as well, right? So the children born with the syndrome in the future will not have to work as hard as our children do today. So it's been a uh, non-expected journey, but definitely it led to where we are today. And I feel fortunate in many ways that I get to experience it and share it uh, with other families and be a support parent and get supported. Everyone is nodding along. We we all had <laughs> virtually the exact same experience. I'm I'm quite sure. What are some of the things that you do feel fortunate about? What are those things that are kind of highlighted for you that you just touched on? I think in many ways, like I I think that for for us, the diagnosis was not like the end of a journey, right? It wasn't like here's your diagnosis and that was the end. It was really the start of kind of a world of discovery and self-educating and learning. And like looking now, we have this amazing research team working so hard to learn more and, and be able to guide us families better. And I have a global family all over the world with individuals that really understand and connect a lot of them are uh, my close friends today. So I'm fortunate in the sense that it wasn't this isolating experience that it was when it first started, but it opened doors and uh, I got a chance to channel all that unknown, that fear, that anger into action and be able to see what can we do about it, whether it's how to support this amazing little girl of ours, or how do we collectively make a difference, right? So 
when I learned that I was pregnant with Yara and I had a girl, like the first thing that came to mind, I'm like, ah, oh, she's going to make such a difference in this world. And, and looking back now, I mean, that's exactly what she's doing, right? And not in the way I expected, but that's exactly what she's doing. She's kind of going to make a difference for all the children that will come later. And they're going to look back and, and not realize <laughs> what she's had to go through because hopefully they won't, right? So I feel fortunate that she gets that opportunity and I get the opportunity to you know, raise and support such an amazing human that no matter what, she gets up, she gets going, and she works very hard, right? So it's just all around, it's just been, it took me a while to get here and to really realize that this is really just another blessing in disguise and there are ways forward and it, it doesn't have to be this gloomy even though it's hard a lot of times and it's still isolating sometimes but it's a joyful journey and I'm thankful for it. Ugh, the emotions of coming from a place of wonder and excitement of thinking about who your child's going to be and like having these ideas that they're going to be changing the world and doing all these things to then getting a soul crushing diagnosis that makes you think, oh, I'm never going to have anything to then back up and realizing, wow, that's exactly what is happening. That just makes me emotional because it's so true. And when you can see that circle, it, it's really powerful. Yeah, it's also about like the perspective, you know, like things that matter today are different than what mattered before, right? And I get to focus on what Yara can do versus what she cannot do. And that mindset shift was really critical. And early on, you get this diagnosis and you, as a parent, you're put to the test. Do you accept who your child is? And there's this little child that had nothing to do with any of this, right? They came to the world and suddenly you're like, do you love them enough to accept them? Or are you struggling or you love them enough, but you still are struggling, right? So it's it's a little bit of kind of unfair statement, but we all have to go through that and being able to just accept it and say, here's who she is and, and she's just wonderful. She's different. She's not broken. And how do we move forward? That piece of heart and mind has been critical for, for us, for sure. When you found this Facebook group with a handful of other families and you had just been given this diagnosis and you felt alone and isolated and scared and angry. What about finding those people or what happened through finding those people that helped you take action and kind of learn to accept all of this? It stopped being just about Yara very early on, right? Because now you're like committed to all these families. You learn their stories, their challenges. You celebrate every little milestone and you just feel it to the core that they're, you know, it's not just about your kiddo anymore. It's just much bigger than that. And, and the impact becomes that much bigger and that much more powerful and that much more rewarding. And just to be able to share these stories, and most of our kiddos are little, so we're all learning as we go. We don't have a lot of kind of older, at least early on. Now we have some, you know, early teens and early adults, but we really had no trajectory that we were 
expected to go so we're all learning and cheering and helping and supporting in every way we can and just makes it that much more personal right it's just you have this group of people that are family basically and and it's about all of us and all of our children 100% I would definitely say that about just our small like same syndrome group but even as the greater rare disease community like I feel like so many of the kids in these circles are my kids you know what I mean when I see their their triumphs and when I see you know the sadness like I feel all of that from all of these kids because I just they all feel like family and it's a unique thing about this community as a whole yeah absolutely and you know I'm involved in a lot of groups and local groups you just get sucked into all of this right <laughs> and you feel every pain and you celebrate every joy and and I think I mentioned that to you when we talked the first time like podcast used to be my only outlet outside of this world and now I found you <laughs> and I'm like oh great now I have to listen to all these great podcasts too right so it just becomes your whole world and you're just absorbed in it all and and sometimes it's like it becomes too much that it's hard to breathe and you want to scream and you can't but sometimes you're like finding all these little joys and accomplishments and you're like, this is pretty neat. You know, I really appreciate that. And I don't think I would have if I wasn't part of this. Yeah, totally. I talk to a lot of families and one of the big pain points is careers. And typically one caregiver usually ends up leaving their job because it's too difficult to find someone to take care of your child. It's too difficult to get your child to all of their appointments, all of the things. And so usually a family has to make that really tough decision to have one caregiver working. What was that situation like for you? For uh, the first three years, I tried to do it all basically, right? Go to work 40, 60 hours, challenging job, leading teams, you know, in the glory of my uh, career and had our daughter and kind of leave for lunch to go meet her therapist and see what they're doing and then come home and do more of that with her and then be up all night reading, researching, creating activities that help her kind of practice some of her skills and just obsessing over it all. And for a long time, it, it was like, I don't know if you know the analogy of frog in boiling water, but they don't realize the water is getting hotter and hotter because their body gets used to it until it's too late. And it felt like it was exactly like that. It was just like getting used to the water getting hotter and hotter until one day I just knew it had to stop. It just, it was at a point where had to sit back and recalibrate. And my initial thought was, okay, I'm gonna take six months sabbatical, focus on Yara, focus on getting research started, focus on organizing the group. Cause we were, our group was growing at that point and I wanted to start collecting data and can I really understand who we are and, and what is it that we're dealing with? And it was a very tough decision. It was, not what I wanted. And I struggled with that for, for a while, even after making the decision. And 
And I went ahead and like started my own little company and I just couldn't just like go and, and move on. And, you know, and then I guess fate was kind to me and kind of did a full circle because initially I thought, you know, I have all these skills, this passion, this education, this energy, and I'm just going to waste it all. But and I realized today I'm just channeling it all and in a much more meaningful way towards really a cause that is so close to my heart that I want to do more. I want to do the 60, 80, 100 hours because it's impactful to me and all these other families that uh, are with us on this journey. So like looking back now, it's like I would never have imagined my life being the way it is today, but now I can't imagine it being any other way. Like what else can I possibly be doing right now and just watching it happen like I have to be in the center of it like who else is gonna be leading this research who else is gonna be working with the amazing team at Georgia's Garden Angels and making it happen like it had to be me right so while it was so hard to kind of get in peace with it all and it's another one of those you know you start and you're like do a full circle of like the sky is falling and then a quick perspective <laughs> uh, review and then you're like ah that was actually a good thing right so and I had always lived life thinking good things will happen to me right like and I haven't held an easy life by any chance but so when we got this diagnosis, it was kind of like, what the hell? <laughs> it's like, you know, I, I thought good things happen, you know, and and it turned out it is, right? I get to do what I'm doing, to use my skills and my passion and to work with cutting edge technologies and be with so many amazing families and really make a difference. So, Yeah. <laughs> Okay, first of all, the boiling frog analogy is spot on. And I think that is the most perfect way to describe this experience ever. So mm-hmm. I'm going to use that. And I also feel like we we're living parallel lives in so many things that you said, especially just like living this way of expecting good things to happen and half full type of cup situation and wham. Bam. (laughs) And then also, who else is going to do it, right? I hear some of the most powerful advocacy leaders say things like that. If not me, who? Like nobody magical is just going to be like, I'm going to pick up this rare disease that only has 168 patients because they need help. (laughs) That doesn't happen typically. And it is the families and the advocates who are the driving force behind making everything happen. And I just, I love that you said that. Yeah. And you get to, you know, meet a lot of, you know, people that like such as yourself and others that really channel that experience into something else. And, and then the, the big picture got better. Right. And, and we're, very strong believers when it comes to inclusion, whether it's in the school setting or in this world. And, you know, it gives you that reason, right? That fight that, you know, I wouldn't change my daughter for the world, but you bet I'm going to change this world for her. I'm (laughs) going to make sure, you know, it's ready. It's ready for what she has to offer. It's different, but that doesn't mean she can't play a role in there right and it starts in the school 
with her and her peers and it goes beyond that right so it's just it gives you all these outlets to to feel strongly about so many things and try to do something about it so that's pretty cool (laughs) Mm, yeah that's a good way to put it it gives you a lot of outlets for things for good (laughs) which is interesting Mm -hmm. so I feel like you're really good at figuring out perspective and changing your mindset, but that's not necessarily easy to do, especially in these kinds of circumstances. Sometimes people can't ever do it. Sometimes it takes years and years and years. Do you have any tips or resources that have just kind of instilled that muscle memory for you in figuring out ways to find the silver linings or to change your perspective and leave the other stuff kind of hanging out to dry? (laughs) You know, I remember having like a moment where I was sitting here sulking, feeling sorry for the world. And and then I like stopped and thought about my daughter. And I'm like, why am I letting this beautiful thing that entered my life be a source of pain and of tears and of broken heart? I mean, I don't want her bringing anything but joy to my heart. Right. And that like was it for me. I'm like, no way. <laughs> you know, I, I just gonna love her and celebrate her and I'm gonna give her a chance to make my heart happy, just like she's here to do. And and I felt it unfair to her letting all these other emotions take over, which they have for a while. And I really think that was the key, right? I'm like, no way. She's going to, like, no, I'm not saying this is a perfect model. (laughs) There are times where, you know, it breaks and, you know, and you think about other things and about the future and you get overwhelmed. But it was really that, that I want her to, I want to give her an opportunity to just bring that joy to my life and my heart and see that through this lens. And I I think also the fact that I've been fortunate in many ways that, you know, the more we give her, the more she's giving. So I, you know, use that energy to keep going. We have supportive family that, that directly accepted the new reality as well I mean that wasn't a challenge I have a supportive husband and we have you know our uh, online community mostly and so it's a lot has aligned in that end to help and then I, I went back to you know well all I can do is get to work and this is what I'm doing and in the meantime I'm going to, you know, enjoy it. And I'm not going to expect less of her. I'm going to continue pushing her and supporting her to do these things that whatever they are that she can or cannot do. And and I know that's not easy for for many. I think I have the genetic disposition with my mental health to deal with, with it uh, a little uh, better too. But I just bring it back to, to her and, you know, to my why. And, and a lot of times that's enough. Amen to that. I think it's such an important practice, especially when you do have to sit in those moments that are painful. You know, a lot of the time you can just look over and <laughs> see their face and it can bring you back. So tell me the work that you're doing at Jordan's Guardian Angels. Jordan's Guardian Angels was started by the Lank family after their daughter Jordan was diagnosed with um, 
what is now called Jordan syndrome after that little girl. And uh, when the family got their diagnosis, they reached out to the Facebook group and I was, you know, again, the person to talk to them. And I remember the dad saying, listen, we have this foundation. We can kind of repurpose to lead the research, but I can't do it alone. Will you do it with me? And that was it, right? So we instantly became a team. And we got guidance from Dr. Wendy Chung from Columbia that helped us form a team together of the best in the practice. We have 10 institutions. Uh, We come together virtually every other month to kind of share about the work that is happening. Uh, They're focused on understanding the syndrome, but also on a treatment path and on a gene editing path. And it's just amazing. And they all got a chance to meet the families at our previous family conferences. The team was hooked, right? Because they got to link their work of 20, 30 years to an actual person, to a child and the impact of that. And that gave them so much energy to work faster and harder. And really it became personal for them as well. And I get a chance to you know, work with them all and bring them together and and just see it happen from the front seat, which is really amazing. And we were able to get a grant a couple of years ago from the state of California that really launched us forward in our work. And, you know, we, we continue on that and tell Yara all the time, like, there's not a door we're not going to open. There's not a stone we're not going to turn, you know. It's just, we're going to keep going. And And when we started, it was like this dream, and now it's becoming more and more of a reality. Like we can almost touch it, and and it's just amazing that all this hard work has to lead somewhere, right? It has to, it has to make these breakthroughs. And Jordan syndrome was also connected to other syndromes like epilepsy, autism, Alzheimer's, early onset Parkinson's. And to think that this work would potentially bring answers to all these other subgroups as well and, and be able to share these amazing discoveries with, with more as well. There's a lot happening and, and again, getting to watch it from the front row and be able to share that with our research team and with our families. And it's just it's just amazing and there's more work to do, but we we have a plan, we have a way forward and we'll keep going. Mm, yes, that grant you all got was incredible. And yeah, being able to link it to other things that have more visibility, that's the golden ticket right there. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) And also, I feel like there are Wendy Chung clones because (laughs) she's on everyone's family council. She's looked at all of our genes, including CTN1 and everyone else I know. And she is just so thoughtful in the way that she speaks to families and just others, you know, in layman's terms, too. She just has such a gentle touch and she's so committed and you're lucky to you're lucky to have her on your side for sure. Yeah, we're definitely lucky. And that's why I use her name because I'm like, oh, I bet half of uh, people listening (laughs) have had some contact with Dr. Chung and, uh, you know, we're the whole community is lucky to have her and her passion and her ability to, you know, lead teams and drive families and keep us going. Right. So yeah, yeah definitely. definitely. So I want to know a little bit about Yara. She's how old now? 
she turned eight a couple weeks ago. Wow. And, uh, we did a, a small COVID-style birthday party for her, <laughs> and she was so happy. It was a surprise. And oh. um, so uh, it was at the new house. We just moved, and she came in not knowing anything. And it was a surprise, and, and she was just so happy to do she loves it when it's all about her, right? So she's very <laughs> excited about that. But she's, you know, she's had to work very, very hard from birth, right? She had to fight to for her life from the moment she was born. And, and she hasn't stopped since. And she's just so graceful about it all. And she does it with so much joy and happiness and she has a great sense of humor. She loves to read. She loves music. She loves people. And it's just an amazing human being. And she has a, a little two-year-old brother that bucks the hell out of her all day. <laughs> and, and she's just so patient and so loving with him and, uh, until she re- reaches her, her limits. But for the most part, you know, they make it a great team. So, you know, and we tell her every... Every night at tuck in, you know, we tell her how proud we are of her and how uh, how happy she makes us and how she'll forever be our little girl. And as she's getting older, she's getting more shy and <laughs> about us saying these things. She's like, okay, you need to stop, but we'll we'll keep at it as long as she lets us. <laughs> oh, she sounds so sweet. I've seen her picture and she's adorable. And I also feel like that about my two-year-old, just like Yara feels about <laughs> her two-year-old sibling. Yeah. <laughs> well, Carol, is there any advice or something you've learned that you would like to share with the Jordan Syndrome community that is listening or any other family beginning this journey? For everyone kind of starting this journey, and I tell our families that when we connect, especially with little kiddos, is that don't let that be a defining factor. This is part of our children are and in our case it's like one gene out of the whole dna right so don't let that be a limiting factor always try for more i mean i say the sky is the limit whatever that sky is just keep keep at it and try your best and support your kiddo and they'll surprise you every single day and and for many of us you know it's been a difficult journey but we can do it, right? I mean, our children can do it, we can do it, and we just have to know that. And whenever we get tired, find our people that can recharge us and send us back out to the world and and keep keep that fight. But I think for me, it's really about setting these expectations. I mean, they're different, but they shouldn't be very low either. Like, I feel like the more we push, the more we do, the more that happens, whether it's in terms of support or navigating the medical system or the school system or whatever that might be. It's just the more we do, the more that happens. And and sadly, in the real world, a lot falls on the parents' uh, shoulders. And it shouldn't be that way. We shouldn't be the experts. I mean, but we are, right? And... And that will make it or break it for for our children. So find your people, support yourself, believe that you can, believe that your child can, and 
And when you're in doubt, find your people, support yourself, and repeat. (laughs) Yeah, that's one of my slogans for sure. Amen to that. Well, Carol, thank you so much for being my guest on the show. And I'm so happy that telling your story is now a part of your advocacy journey. I think it's amazing. And I'm excited to be able to share this with, with my listeners and to have met you. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Effie. I'm sure our path will cross again. (laughs) Yes, definitely. I hope you've been enjoying this podcast. If you like what you hear, please share this show with your people. And please make sure to rate and review it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also head over to Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter to connect with me and stay updated on the show. If you're interested in sharing your story, or if you have anything you would like to contribute, please submit it to my website at effieparks.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show and for supporting me along the way. I appreciate y'all so much. I don't know what kind of day you're having, but if you need a little pick-me-up, Ford's got you. Ha 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 